and welcome back to the Midnight Readings. Today we're back reading Justice League of America, Exterminators. Now, today we have a special co-host, Happy. Happy, there there you are. You're probably not going to hear him throughout this, because Happy is a dog, so... And he's pretty good. He doesn't bark, so... He's a pretty awesome dog. He's my brother's dog, so... He's just here for a few days... And then he's leaving, so maybe we'll get a few midnight readings done. He's a pretty good dog, so you're probably not going to hear him. But if you hear any noise in the background, it's probably him. Or planes. So, yeah. So anyway, let's get started into this. We're in Chapter 5. Chapter 5. The City of Belfast was under siege. Northern Ireland had been torn apart for generations by struggles between Catholics and Protestants. Between those who longed for an Irish Republic and those who supported the Union with England, bloodshed and carnage were the order of the day for so very long, and a bomb blast or a sniper's bullet were familiar even to the city's children. The world was gray and red. In recent years, the troubles had calmed somewhat. Today, there was only chaos and not the familiar kind. Gray skies hung menacingly low over the city's spires and chimneys, and rain poured down, running in the gutters as if to scour Belfast clean. People ran screaming from Dungle Square. A young man slipped on the rain-slicked curb, and the back of his head struck the ground hard. Gunshots rang out in the square, and the police in front of Belfast City Hall shouted instructions to the people who were even now running for cover. They were used to taking cover, these people. But not from this. A flash of red and blue, Superman emerged from the thunderclouds above Belfast, accompanied by tendrils of lightning and hung for an eye blink like spider webs spun between heaven and earth. The storm lashed at the city with cold fury, but it was not the storm that had wrought chaos of Dunkel Square. The road had erupted in the middle of the square, and from it had crawled a monstrosity, a kind of golem constructed of earth and pavement and granite as if the city itself had risen up to terrorize its residents. It was a towering behemoth, twenty feet in height when the first report hit the JLA monitor womb. But as Superman flew down toward Dungle Square, he gauged that it was near thirty now. It was growing. With every massive footfall that cracked the pavement, it picked up some of the debris of its de- destruction and it grew. Fire flicking from its eyes and from cracks between the earth and stone that made up its body. Its arms were much too long and it lumbered with an ape-like stoop. Its face was crude as though a child had sculpted it from clay. But its jaws were jagged stone and when it opened them and roared it was the sound of a landslide. From this height Superman's extraordinary vision caught sight of tanks rumbling across the city of Belfast, heading for Dungle Square. Instantaneously, he gauged the distance and the time he knew that far too much damage would be done before they arrived, even if they made haste. The police in front of City Hall had already proven that guns were going to be useless. Even now, Superman heard gunshots, saw bullets lodge in the soil that was the creature's flesh, and others ricochet off its stone parts. Not everyone was smart enough to run. In the 12 minutes since the thing's obscene birth 
had begun, several journalists and camera operators had set up on a rooftop on the far side of the square. Even now, a van with the news logo on the side rolled along a street near City Hall. Spectators had massed in front of one of the buildings, gaping in horror at the thing that had torn itself from the ground. It moved slowly, and Superman th thought that perhaps these people believed they could escape if it came for them. A foolish presumption. All this thing needed to do was bump into a building, and it would likely crumble around the thing's knees. Several cars had been crushed beneath its heavy th tread, and smoke rose from the crater it had been born of, ruptured sewer pipes pouring into the hole. But the earth beast had yet to attack any of the buildings surrounding it. That was only a matter of time. So already Superman could see that it was moving more quickly, that the fire burning in its eyes seemed to focus more on the architecture around Dungle Square. It stumbled forward, another giant step, collapsing the sidewalk under its bulk. Then its huge head swung around, and with that crude face, it stared at, the, at City Hall. It raised its hands to the sky in an unnerving human expression as if pleading to the heavens for their intervention those massive three-fingered hands of stone and earth then came down to cover its eyes liquid fire leaked like tears from behind those hands and slipped down its oddly sculpted features when the hands came down its stone lips ground together in an expression that could only be hatred and it began to march towards city hall long arms reaching out with malicious intent. All of this took place in seconds. Superman had taken in the situation, trying to figure out the best way to stop the thing. No matter how unnatural it was, it had not killed anyone yet, and mindless destruction of, of an apparently living being was never his first choice. He flew at the monster with such speed that the friction of the air upon his skin and his uniform dried the rain before it touched him. His cape whipped in the winds of the storm, and he knifed down through the gray after afternoon light, then pulled up short, hanging in the air above Dungle Square, face to face with this thing that had crawled from its belly. Stop! he shouted, raising a hand trying to determine if those burning eyes even saw him. If you can understand me, you're destroying the square. I can't let you continue. The ground shook as the behemoth took another step. It had ignored him, or not understood. Now... He threw himself at it, slamming into the earth, beat into the earth beast's chest, and forcing it backward a step. A bicycle that had been abandoned in the street was obliterated beneath its foot. The thing tried to continue forward. Superman pushed against it, unwilling to allow it any further progress. He just needed to buy himself a few seconds to figure out how to handle this. He could. He would have. He would have to carry the thing out of there. Just haul it out of Belfast and deal with it in the countryside or drop it in the ocean. If he could extinguish the flames that jetted from the cracks in its earth flesh, that might stop it. The plan was formulated in an instant, but the thing was faster than it looked. One of those massive hands swept down and batted him away, pavement and broken water piping cracking as it collided with his chest and head. With a grunt of pain and surprise, Superman was thrown across Dungle Square. He crashed through the wall of the building atop which the journalists had begun to gather, plaster and breaking glass crumbling around him. No, he thought frantically. Fast as he, as he was able, he flew back out through the hole in the building. 
the air roaring in his ears as he thrust out into the stormy afternoon sky. Below him, Superman saw a cluster of spectators. Several of them were tending to the man who had struck his skull on the curb earlier. The man appeared to be all right, but they still seemed not to recognize the danger they were in. In one of the windows above them, a man with a rifle thrust the barrel of his weapon into the rain and fired at the monstrosity. The crack of rifle fire echoed across the square. The shots thunked uselessly into the earth beast, but its blazing eyes turned toward the sniper. Its stone lips ground together, and then it stomped across the square, gouts of flame spilling from its joints like blood pouring from open wounds. It was coming for the gunman, but the spectators in the street were in the way. Faster than one of the sniper's bullets, Superman shot toward the ground. He hung several feet off the pavement, rain and wind whipping at him, soaking his hair, furling his cape. The people stared at him with wide eyes, yet without fear. They had lived under the shadow of a constant threat of danger their entire lives. This monster was real, not a threat, and they were fascinated by it. Get out of here, Superman told them. Go now! His tone would brook no argument. A couple of the men turned hardened faces up to him and seemed as though they might debate the command, but he left them no room to do so. He was Superman. At last, they began to retreat. A camera crew out in the street even left their equipment and clambered toward their van. Many of the people glanced back at him, then up at the monster slowly thundering across the square. Its foot stomped at the center of Dungle Square and set off a chain reaction shaking the surrounding buildings so badly that windows shattered and masonry crumbled. In the midst of the departing crowd, Superman caught sight of a lone, forty-ish woman whose brown hair had been plastered to her face by the rain. Water ran across her cheeks, but he did not think all of it was from the sky. Her features were etched with such profound despair that looking at her caused him to catch his breath. She stared not at him but at the monstrous golem that was even now coming for them. The woman shook her head, lower lip trembling, and pressed the heels of her hands against her eyes. Then a man grabbed her by the arm and dragged her along with the retreating crowd. Superman was baffled, but the earth beast gave him no time to wonder about the woman. Fire dripped in onto the pavement, melting the road in places. One of its long arms shot out. The sniper had not abandoned his perch. Bullets from his rifle struck the monstrosity without any effect at all. The golem had, was going to tear the building apart to destroy the sniper. Superman knifed through the air, colliding a few second, a second time with his chest and drove it back a step. He flew upward and shot out his fist in a blow that shattered the beast's stone jaw into three pieces. Granite blocks fell like bro broken teeth from its lips and crashed into the pavement below. But instantly, its earth and rock flesh began to reform. It opened its mouth and vomited a torrent of fire at him. Superman turned away, shielding his eyes, and the force of the blast slammed into the ground. His body cracked the road. The fire scorched him, blackened his cape, and singed his hair. But it did not harm him. Back to the plan, he thought. I've got to get rid of this thing. He had no idea how he would defeat it, but he could at least remove it until he figured it out. A Centralite, a Centralink bus rumbled into the square, the driver unaware until it was too late that he had never faced a more perilous obstacle. The brakes squealed and the tires began to slip on the rain-soaked street. 
there would be no stopping. The bus was aimed directly at the monster's legs, but the driver accelerated again and cranked the steering wheel over to angle away from it. Toward the front of City Hall, the thing howled its earthquake cry once more and reached down to grasp the bus in both hands. In that moment, Superman saw it all illustrated on the canvas of his mind. What was to come? The people in the bus would die. The Earth Beast would hurl the bus at the ornate dome of one of the finest classical Renaissance buildings in Europe, likely killing many others inside the building. More than anything, it wanted to destroy Belfast City Hall. Another bolt of lightning flashed across the sky. Before it had dimmed, Superman had raced at the golem and tore the bus from his grip. He flew across the square and set it down, the passengers all apparently safe. But when he turned back toward the monster, it was slowly, inexorb inexorably lumbering toward City Hall. Why, he thought, what does it want with this place, with the City Hall? Images flickered through his mind. Upon his arrival, he had, he had seen the thing gaze toward the heavens and then cover its eyes as if in grief. But the monster was not alone in its grief. The woman, he thought, and, his, and in his memory, he could still see her, sodden hair plastered across her face, tears lost in the rain, covering her eyes. He was torn. He had to get the thing out of Belfast, but if he did not stop the woman now, he might never find her. And he knew there was a connection. He could feel it. Superman whipped around, his remarkable vision pinpointing the woman instantly a block away, being hustled along by the fleeting crowd. She was trying to hold back, pausing to get glimpses of the chaos and impending destruction in Dunkle Square. In a heartbeat, he was there, buffeted by the wind as he flew across the square to land right in front of her. He gazed at her, searching her eyes, trying to understand. The woman covered her mouth and stared at him. You're doing this, aren't you? He asked gently. She collapsed on the street in a puddle. Her skirt instantly soaked through and she wrapped her arms around herself. Superman glanced over her shoulder and he saw that the golem had paused as if uncertain. It wavered in his feet. You have to stop, he said, crouching by her and reaching out to a place, a comforting hand on her arm. People are going to die. Please. The pain in her eyes seared him. They killed my Jamie, my little boy, she said, biting off every word. The bastards are shooting at each other, and he was in the way. Once more, she pressed the heels of her hands against her eyes, and now she gazed up at the heavens. Though for succor or forgiveness, Superman did not know. Didn't know who it was. IRA or Unionists, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to let them do it anymore, never again. But her tears bellied the firmness of her words. She searched for Superman's eyes as though she might find some answers there. His heart broke as he understood. He could never give her what she sought. He could not take the pain away. Not like this, he told the woman. You can't do it like this. Don't let Jamie's death make you less than who you were. Let it make you more. The woman bit her lower lip. For the first time, Superman noticed that she was beautiful. She shuddered and fell forward, letting him wrap his arms around her, weeping silently against his chest as the rain battered down upon them. And the last of the light drained from the storm gray sky, afternoon slipping on the torrid night. In the middle of Dongle Square, the giant golem crumbled, stone and earth, pavement and pipe falling in a barrage of debris that tumbled and spilled across the square, crushing abandoned camera equipment and three cars that were parked on the side of the road. It was over, for now. John was surprised at how well it was going. 
though Batman was understandably troubled by the sudden spike in new meta-activity. Thus far, the League's investigation had unearthed very little unexpected difficulty. Wonder Woman had captured a shape-shifting thief in Hong Kong and a venomous serpentine serial killer in Bangkok. But the others had in general had better luck, turning up individuals who had recently and quite abruptly found themselves with abilities ranging from telepathy to elemental weather control. Some of them needed psychological evaluation, but others were dealing with these new abilities with surprising alacrity. Yes, this part of the plan, the part that required the cataloging and observation of new metas, was going well. But John had heard curiously little from Batman about his investigations in England, and that was what concerned him more. Whether they wanted to use their abilities to aid people or to burn down the world, the Justice League could handle any new metas that came along for now. But the more of them there were, the bigger the problem would become. Simply because they had been fortunate thus far did not mean things would remain quiet. Maelstrom was still out there, undoubtedly likely to appear again. The woman from Belfast, Ella... Devlin, who wielded enough power over the earth to craft monsters from it and control them, was in custody, under constant supervision and sedation. But Batman had been correct that there were more of that there were more of them, perhaps not with every passing day, but certainly with each week that went by. John had determined that they would have to begin biologic biological testing on some of the new metas to see if any clues could be found about their origins. For now, he continued to follow up on reports of new ones. He had just come from Ball Harbor, Florida, where an 82-year-old Scottish woman had proven herself suddenly clairvoyant. Most such claims John would have discounted almost out of hand. There were thousands of hustlers posing as psychics of one kind or another, but not all of them were from the United Kingdom, and not all of them had suddenly developed these talents at the age of 82. The woman, Mrs. Agnes Holligan, was delighted and entertained her many friends in the condominium complex where she and her husband had retired 99 years before. Sorry, she retired nine years before. But when John had spoken to her as John Jones, she had confessed that she had found rather quickly that her abilities had proven less welcome among those older folks than among their vacationing children and grandchildren. Elderly people did not really want to know the future. There are so few surprises left, Mrs. Holligan had told them in her heavy Scottish burr. Nobody wants to spoil them. But that had been two days ago. Now John was in Decatur, Georgia, striding down a hospital corridor, the soles of his shoes squeaking on the tile floor. Though we loved so much about humanity and the earth, there were many things that disturbed the Martian Manhunter as well. One of them was this, the odor that permeated the air of many human hospital, an acrid aroma of sickness and death. The role of John Jones was one he had adopted a very long time ago, and he wore the appearance and clothing of the man quite comfortably. Even now, he loosened his tie and slipped off his jacket, throwing it over his shoulders as he walked across towards the nurse, the nurse's station outside the intensive care unit. Though the patients on that ward were fighting for their lives, all seemed quiet with, within at the moment. 
A nurse with features like carved ebony glanced up at him as he approached. Can I help you? She asked, her tone letting him know she did not think he belonged there. John nodded. I hope you can. I'm looking for one of your doctors, Felix Nutman. The woman pursed her lips and shot him an acerbic glance. Join the club. A tremor of concern rippled through John. He had had high hopes for Dr. Nutman. Several weeks earlier, in the local news... The local news was supposed to be, to be believed. He had begun healing ICU patients with nothing more than his touch. There was nothing at all evangelic, uh, evangelistic about the man, and he had apparently avoided any opportunity at the celebrity his healing hands might have offered him. The doctor, a British man, whose resemblance to the quirky actor John Malkovich had been played up by the media, had given a single interview reluctantly and then had hospital spokespeople handle things from that point on. Could you possibly elaborate on that a bit? John asked. The nurse had gone back to her computer terminal and was tapping in notes from a clipboard. Now she glanced around to see that no one was near enough to overhear their exchange and fixed him with a suspicious stare again. Who wants to know, honey? If you're a reporter, it's going to cost your boss your bosses plenty. He slipped out his wallet and showed her his identification. A small laugh eased from her lips as she glanced at it. Private investigator, huh? Nice work if you can get it. Finding lost people and tracking down cheating husbands? That's not the sort of work I usually do, John replied with as much dignity as he could summon without seeming to dismiss the woman. It is this time, the nurse told him. Then she smiled brightly. You find Dr. Nutman? You let him know that he's missed two shifts already. A lot of people losing sleep to cover for him and keep those patients alive. He could use those magic hands about We could use those magic hands about now. John frowned deeply. He's missing? But there have been no reports on the news. Where has he been? Where has he gone? She sat back in her chair and stared at him as though he were the stupidest being on the planet. If I knew that, darling, he wouldn't be missing. Dr. Nutman hasn't showed up here for a couple of days, and his wife says he hasn't been home either. Maybe he just got tired of all the people wanting him to touch them. He's sort of quiet, Dr. Nutman. Didn't like the spotlight. Maybe he just took off. Perhaps, John thought, but there was something in the woman's tone that told him she did not believe that. Is Dr. Nutman the type of man who would leave his duties unattended? who would impose upon his colleagues and ignore the needs of his patients, John asked. The woman's eyes narrowed. No, not when you put it that way. John turned his back on the nurse, leaving her to go back to her computer. As he strode from the hospital, he was relieved to be escaping that sick smell, but he was troubled by the disappearance of Felix Nutman. A winged man in Montreal, Canada, had also gone missing and the League had lost track of Julia Williams, the metahuman who had come to the aid of Superman and Wonder Woman in Paris. Whatever the reason behind these disappearances, they did not bode well at all. The building on Tottenham Courtyard was a lovely example of early Victorian architecture, but in the city of London, it was entirely unremarkable. It was neither run down nor recently renovated, and had no markings on the front door saving the street number. There was no doorman, nor any visible security. 
but anyone attempting to enter uninvited and without the proper authorization would be dead before they crossed the lobby. This nine-story structure was but one of the offices utilized by MI5, Britain's domestic intelligence agency. Peter Joyce had worked for MI5 for 17 years. His dedication to the job and the ways in which it had changed him made him paranoid and secretive and cost him his marriage, but he still loved the job. Most days. Tonight, he only wanted to go home, nestle up beneath a blanket, and watch something mindless on, on the telly. Even a bad American film on Sky would be sufficient. It had been a very long day, long week, long couple of months. Peter zipped his fly as he exited the, the restroom, unmindful of being seen. Other than security, there were very few people left in the building. He yawned and twisted his neck around, satisfied with the cracking noise it made and then he hurried back to his office at the far end of the corridor. The entire room was secure, so there was no reason for him to close his own office door, but he did so regularly. That extra dash of paranoia had served him well more than once, and he had saved his life when MI5 had dealt with some homegrown terrorists during the, the, millenni the Millennium Celebration. He pushed the door open and stepped inside, so tired it took him a moment to realize that the lights were off. The room was dark, illuminated only by the light seeping in through the windows from the street. Peter froze, then his hand darted out to the switch on the wall. It click, the, its click echoed uselessly in the dark. Close the door, Peter, a voice instructed from the far corner of the room. A tremor of fear passed through him. It was impossible. No one would have gone into the building, never mind this room, unobserved. The windows were still locked. They were not locked. One of them, in fact, was open just to crack. A cool breeze whispered through the darkness. The window was open, but no alarms had gone off. Peter was about to go for his gun when a figure unfurled from the shadows and stepped forward, the pointed ears of his cow silhouetted in the glow from outside the windows. Batman. Heart trip hammering in his chest, Peter let out a short breath of anger. You nearly gave me a stroke, he said, relieved and yet not completely. The presence of the of the Batman was not all was not at all comforting. You can guess why I'm here, Batman said, his strong voice insinuating and fill and filled with general disapproval. Peter Joyce did not venture any further into the darkened room. He waited for his eyes to adjust, but Batman remained a silhouette. A flowing shadow, and though he knew the detective was a human being, he could not shake the impression of the supernatural that seemed to cloak the man. Why not give me a clue? Peter suggested. Metahuman activity. The League's been monitoring it, charting it out. You and your people here have been doing the same. It's a matter of national security for you, but it's bigger than that. I need to know where they're coming from. For a long moment, Peter only stared at him. Years of secrecy were ingrained in him. The hell with the Justice League. His job at MI5 did not give him leave to discuss operations with anyone who was not cleared. But that was the thing about Batman. He had been instrumental in aiding MI5 in over a dozen cases in half that many years. Peter owned him, owed him, though Batman would not find it necessary to mention that debt. You're usually ten steps ahead of us, the man admitted. What don't you already know? A dry, a dry rasp came from the shadows. Try me. Whatever jump-started the abilities these people are manifesting 
happened no fewer than nine years ago, and no more than twelve. The instigator, we're calling it, the instigators pinpointed within those time parameters because it was the only period during which all of the new metas were living in the UK. We're trying to narrow it down further. Also, the instigator was widespread, covering most of the country, including Scotland and Wales. The woman in Belfast was in London visiting relatives at the time. They're, they're starting to disappear, Batman said. Where are they going? Peter glanced at the floor, taking a deep breath. There were some truths he wanted to keep secret from Batman, more than others. In this case, the fact that MFI was at a loss. But he had to respond. We don't know yet. When Peter glanced back up, he expected Batman to be gone. The detective had an uncanny ability to silently disappear with just a moment's distraction. But no, he was still there, cape rustling slightly in the darkness. That's it, Peter replied with a shrug. No. That single word uttered by the Batman chilled him to the bone. Peter wished desperately that the lights would come back on, but he had never believed in magic. No, he asked. Batman moved forward for a moment. His silhouette grew in the, in the light from the nighttime street. But when he loomed so large that his cape seemed to blot out all of the light from outside, three members of Parliament had, have deployed metahuman abilities. Peter shook his head. How can you know that? No one knows Sir Ian Rackman is missing. Was he one of the metas in Parliament? For a long moment, Peter stared at him. He knew Batman could help, knew the Justice League might well be a necessity in this crisis, but it galled him that MI5 had not been able to keep its secrets. You'll be pleased to know I have con you will be pleased to know I have confirmed the abilities these three metas are alleged to have, but not their identities. It has it upsets me, Batman admitted. Peter Joyce allowed himself a small smile of satisfaction. Was Sir Ian one of them? Batman asked again. Slowly, Peter nodded, gaze once more dropping to the floor. A moment later, he blinked as the light from the street reached him once more. When he glanced up, the window was wide open, and he was alone in the darkness. Alright, so that was the end of Chapter 5. We got through all of Chapter 5. Awesome. So... Um, wow, this chapter was like months due, so I'm glad we got it done. Um, and this is a pretty long book, so this might take several, um, let me see how many chapters, just to know how many episodes. So there's an epilogue, which I'll read, because, you know, as long as it's still with the story. Um, okay, it looks like 15 so we still have quite a bit to do, but we got five done, plus an epilogue, so like 16. So yeah, so not that bad. And then um, there's other books as well, if they like them. I don't have all of them. Uh, I, th I think I used to have more, but right now I only have this Justice League one. I could have sworn I got the Batman one, maybe not, but I can always order that online. But I have the Flash one, which I started. I don't think I did it on this, but either way, that that's far in advance. I haven't even finished this one, nor the other Midnight Reading I started. But yeah, that was Justice League Adventures Exterminators Chapter 5. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'm trying to get better at reading, because I know that sometimes I stumble through words 
and sometimes you know it's just a little janky sometimes when I read I'm really trying to get better at it so you know I can read it more clearly I don't read the chapters ahead of time because I want you know I, I, I want it to be like a first experience just like with with you guys but either way I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the midnight readings uh yeah thank you guys again for listening and have a great night day whatever's going on in your life I hope it's great see ya Thank you.